Hello everybody, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 45. Mm, pretty big episode today. Huge episode. Well, it's... I know la- last episode was a super-sode. It was a super-sode. This is a follow-up to a super-sode. And in some ways, I guess the opening is bigger because you're about to give birth. This is our last podcast before my vagina takes a beating and we bring forth a new beautiful life into this world, babe. How do you feel about it? Incredibly nervous. But before we get into that, I do want to say that in this very exciting episode, we have Mick Zazon and she is huge in the normalizing your normal body world on Instagram. And she's just such an inspiration, like for me. <laughs> the world is called normalizing your normal body world? Is that how we refer to it? Do you know who's big in the normalizing your normal body world? <laughs> I, you know what? And this is the thing. Last podcast before pregnancy. NYNBW? Would that be what it's called? I have no brain left. Okay. But I'm I'm with that. And I hope Mick is okay with that, at least in this scenario. Uh, but she is such an inspiration. She is all about, you know, treating yourself right, moving when it feels good, eating when that feels good, eating what feels good from what feels right for your body to nourish it. And basically not giving a fuck about whatever people think and saying, you know, this is me. This is how I'm presenting myself to the world. Well, I think I guess her focus on is health isn't just how you look. It's also how you feel and being mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I think her and our second guest, Rafaela Mancuso, have that in common. Well, they almost got into uh, fisticuffs, unless I'm getting the story wrong. No, you're not. Rafaela, the reason I love her. I'm just kidding. They did not no, get into well, fisticuffs. let's get to it. Hold on. We'll get there. Well, they but... might listen to this and think we're totally inciting a <laughs> no, riot. No, okay. no, no. They'll get it. They're both really awesome girls. Uh, but Rafaela kind of brought out the, not the punching bags, what do you call them, the... The, gl- the gloves were off, I think you want to say? <laughs> I guess the gloves were off. So basically, Rafaela went viral when she called out those behind and inside the body positive movement on Instagram and in the media, which is basically... I believe it's called the normalizing your <laughs> best... No? <laughs> no, it, unless I'm getting it wrong, which is possible. They're different it's things. possible. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, body positive has been taken over by very marketable thin white women. And Rafaela basically called everybody out, including Mick. Mm-hmm. However, they became buddies out of it. And yeah. we got them both on this episode. So it's very cool. And we do hope you guys enjoy these talks as much as we did. A lot of people are probably listening thinking, why would we have Rafaela and Mick Zazon on a family podcast if they don't have children? And... I just want to make it clear that this might be even more important to people with yeah. families and daughters than talking to someone who's an expert on parenting or toddler mm-hmm. behavior. This conversation and conversations like this have absolutely changed the way I word things around Lucy. I have maybe slipped out and called her pretty a couple times since our first conversation with Rob Beauty Talks, Aaron Trelore. But really, instilling these things early and getting a, wrapping my head around this very yeah. interesting, confusing sometimes topic, which I never even thought about before, makes me feel like a much better dad and person. Yeah, know? and you know, honestly, I think starting at the parents and not at kids' behavior, but starting with your own behavior as a parent is so crucial. And like, Shane, you and I don't have the best mentality always when it comes to body image for ourselves. And I think that... 
changing how we view these things will then inherently change how we parent without even really thinking about it. Well, we both know I have the worst view of body image for myself. Yeah. I'm. We get into that uh, with Mick, actually, and she tries to kind of help me out. I still, I don't think I'll ever not be able to weigh myself in the mm-hmm. morning. The, well, the thing is, like, if we can, you know, if we still have these issues and we're working through them with ourselves and at least changing our mindset and how we speak about them in front of our daughters, then hopefully by the time they're in our position with friends or children of their own, then it'll be so much more natural to them. And then when they're in high school and they're going through those hard periods in their life, they won't have as tough a time as we did because they'll just be conditioned differently. So that's why I think these kinds of talks are just so valuable for single people, for parents, for whoever. But Shane, we have two very fancy cocktails that I made for us tonight, non-alcoholic cocktails. With seed lip, yeah. So tonight we made the Eliza. It is with Seedlip Spice 94, marmalade, because a woman named Eliza was the first person to put marmalade in a recipe book, soda water, and charred cinnamon. And you lit this on fire before we started. I lit it on fire. Now the house smells beautiful. Like, so you lit the cinnamon stick on fire before we started. Yes. And it was smoky, but cheers, Okay, let me try this. Cheers. I don't taste marmalade. It's definitely refreshing. Like all, the, all these drinks are very refreshing, but I don't taste any really of anything you added to it. Maybe I could have done with more marmalade. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't know marmalade if it ran me over with a car. So <laughs> I don't even know what I'm really looking See, for. See, the here. nose is very nice, taking Thank a you. smell. Oh. <laughs> okay, I just got I just got a more flavorful uh, bit there. Yeah, it's it's a delicious, you know, refreshing drink, and it's hot as H. Pardon my language in this house. Yeah. And you, for some reason, will not let me touch the air conditioning dials. It's and... going to break. We sh- we broke it last year because we keep our house too cold. No, no. We we don't. Our house is swelteringly hot. We kept our house at that time at 75 or 76. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to put it at 79, which is perfectly reasonable. And 69. Like, no. Oh, sorry. 69. <laughs> 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 you dirty dog. <laughs> F-bomb, 69. Um, but anyway, I think 69-ing, uh, sorry, I think, <laughs> I, think, I think 69 is perfectly reasonable to keep a house. But you seem to think it's like Arctic conditions. No, I think it's fine. I just, we have a great breeze coming behind us. By the way, Shane, did you take a sip of that with a little bit of the charred cinnamon a little closer to your lips? You know I did. That is where the flavor comes in. So oh. what I did wrong, too much soda, not enough marmalade, and more char on that cine stick. Okay, what, do you have any topics for me? I always start, but I'd like to put you on the spot here. I do, because I tried to bring up to you last week the fact that we need to practice labored breathing techniques and labor pain management techniques. Mm. And, and we can't wait to hold this up till next week, can we? You little shit. No, you need to help me because you're my person in the room that's going to be looking at me and reminding me to do certain things and reminding me to keep my cool. What's one more pod? Shane, and if you don't know what I'm you're doing, I'm trying for you to get the joke that I'm doing. That, I get it. Okay, well, you have to ignore. <laughs> but I like this is this is an important thing. Like I need to make sure that you're in the zone so you can help me stay in the zone. Okay, well, give it give it to me. Okay. So the first thing that I want you to remind me of. So aside from what you did last time was just always like kind of reassuring me that everything's okay and telling me to breathe. Yeah, that was easy. Which was fine. 
fine. I'd say that's like a 7 or 6 out of 10. But this time, I really want help kind of stepping it up and reminding me of certain techniques to help manage pain. So the first thing we're going to do, a friend suggested this, is moaning. So her midwife suggested this to her. So every time you get a contraction, keep your mouth closed and then do rhythmic moaning. And apparently this helps you feel like you're way more in control. It helps stop you from getting panicked. So... Should I, like, pinch you? How do we pretend you're in pain? You can pinch me. Okay. So when I'm pinching you and the pain is getting painful, then start going like this. Wait, you're going to pinch me so hard I'm in pain? Well, yeah. To mimic the labor so Just... you know what to do. Okay. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Let's do it. Let's. I'm in. I'm okay. In. So mouth closed, rhythmic moaning. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Mmm. Ow. <laughs> not rhythmic Mm. and that was hardly a pinch okay Okay, do it to me harder i think is it weird that i'm hard right now (laughs) okay so i want you to try that what rhythmic moaning so what, just, how wait, how is me doing it helping you because you're gonna remind me and you're gonna do it with me can't i just say remember to moan no you loser because you have to put your hands on your shoulders uh, Alex, look this is a nightmare for me you have no clue how awkward i feel in the hospital let alone doing rhythmic sorry moaning. so you're gonna i feel, did skin to skin last time and they, they made me feel like i was a pedophile every husband does skin to skin in the hospital they wanted me partner. out of your bed though i felt terribly awkward i wish i could just have the baby for you Shane. So I'm going to be moaning with you and, and they're not going to think I'm weird. You can breathe with me while I moan. How's okay, that? Okay, fair enough. So what you do is you put your hands on my shoulders and you bring your head close and you look me straight in the eyes. Do you remember last time I had the epidural and that's what yeah. you were doing? Oh, yeah. And that was the most helpful thing ever. So you're going to do that. Welcome. And then on the count of three, we're going to moan together. Okay, so you pretend you're having the baby. I'll pretend to be you to model what I want you to do. <laughs> okay? All right. Okay, this you're seems in pain. Into, uh, you're, you're very unnecessary. You're in pain. Be in pain. You're pushing a baby out. Okay. It's okay, Alex. It's okay. Breathe with me. Breathe with me. One, two, three. Moaning. Close your mouth, Alex. I hate you. You said, <laughs> what did you do to me? But, okay, so no. there's technique number one. Okay? okay. Moaning through the contractions. Okay. Don't look so uncomfortable. I'm in character. <laughs> I thought you want me to act like you. Okay. The next one is called horse lips. So just thinking about that, I thought it was going to be like like contorting your face like a horse, like like this. Yeah, it's an audio pod. But <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make the face in the camera. But uh, yeah, so horse lips... Ina May Gaskin's book, she recommends this. Uh, it's called Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. She recommends blowing raspberries or horse lips to help relax the mouth. Because relaxing the mouth, I'm not going to get into science right now, you guys. I don't want to confuse anybody. But it apparently relaxes your cervix as well. So to do this, you completely relax your lips and you blow a good amount of air through letting your lips flap together. Okay. So instead of resisting the pain, you're going to kind of relax into it and allow your body to do what it's designed to do uh, with the least discomfort possible. Okay. So 
when you're immersed in the intensity of labor, it's just a way to help get your body to relax. So basically, as the contraction's coming, we inhale and then. Can't I just go, don't forget horse lips. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, remember horse lips? Do that. Why do I have to be doing it with you? Because then it's 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 more calming to me because then it feels like we're in How about a yoga class or something together. Like, Shane, imagine it. Okay, you're sitting there and you're trying to do yoga, but all these doctors are bustling around you. There's blood coming out of your vagina and a head sticking out. And there's a husband that's just like, horse lips, honey, horse lips. If the head's sticking out, isn't it really done? Okay, like- yeah. Well, semantics. But... That's not a very relaxing situation. However, if you have somebody that's trying to help get you to zone out of that situation. How about this? And go into your own world and mm-hmm. do it with you. It's so much more effective. What if I do it like this? Very zen and cool. I right. go, honey, remember horse lips. <laughs> do horse lips. No. And if you're like, what do you mean horse lips? I fucking forget everything. I'll be like. <laughs> and then I'll do it with you. That's a horse in nay. That's not blowing raspberry. <sighs> then I'll do that with you. But I'd, I'd prefer not to do these... these You're perf- scared of what the nurses are going to think that see this every a day. A little bit. It feels very performative. And you know how awkward I get. Well, I- that's this is a good opportunity to maybe, you know, wiggle your way out of your shell a little bit. Alex, I tried wiggling last time and I made a fool of myself. No, and you I didn't. feel like I'm you not only, welcome at that hospital anymore. You only think you made a fool of yourself because of one kind of nasty nurse who was giving you dirty looks. Yeah. For doing skin to skin with your own child. Yeah, in my robe. And she thought I was taking over your bed. And she was trying to look out for you. And it made me feel like I was like abusing you in a way. No, I wanted you there. I know you did. But what I'm saying is all these things, I'll help you as much as possible. But I'd like to try the least embarrassing tactics first. And then let's go up to the most embarrassing tactics. Do you... Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I don't care at all about your level of embarrassment, but I know you don't. It it works. You know that works. Start okay. with the least embarrassing. So and I then promise, we'll no matter what, right. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Horse lips. What's the first one again? Moaning. <laughs> Moaning. Okay. Got it. Serve to memory. Okay, but horse lips. And here's the thing about horse lips. It's not a good coping mechanism for like the whole labor because it gets exhausting. Did you know that was actually my nickname in high school? <laughs> horse lips. Yeah. Oh, that laugh is giving me a bit of a contraction. Okay, do we, are we done with this or no? I, I don't. No, I'm not begging done. to move we're on. We're done okay. with with the practice. I think that's good. But yeah, just you did a great job last time. I just feel like you know, um, I got a six and a half to seven out of ten, so I'm blushing. <laughs> well, I I just think you you were standard. Okay, I did what needed to be done. Yeah. Aside from you know what you did come prepped with some good movies on your phone great playlist and we had a really relaxing time up until the baby yeah, was coming I out. think it's so mean for you to give me a six and a half or a seven unless it's out of seven or six and a half <laughs> mean how because you acted like I did so great it's like let's say we do it and you're like oh that was amazing and then a year later you're like remember I said it was amazing six and a half out of ten all no. right maybe I will maybe I was exaggerating just to get you a little more motivated to do horse lips oh, I'm, properly I'm motivated Trust me, I'm very stressed out about this. I want everything to be perfect. You know what? I will say what contributed to everything possibly being perfect on Sunday is the fact that you came up to me the other day and you said, Alex, do you want a push present? And I said, yeah, sure. And then you're like, what do you want? 
And I said, earrings. And you said, do you want to pick them out? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it. I just ordered myself some beautiful earrings online and they are expected tomorrow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So thank you, Shane. And this is funny. I don't know how many of you have heard of push presents before, but I hadn't until I think right before I had Lucy or after I had Lucy. It wasn't a thing that I thought people did or wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel any way about them during our first pregnancy. But when you offered it to me, this one, I was like, hell yeah, I'll get something nice for myself. Kind of feels good. And I know obviously my role in this pregnancy, and I don't want to make too much light of it, isn't as big. Like obviously you have a baby coming out of your vagina and all I did was, you know, do the deed. But do you think there should be any gift for a man when he successfully has one of his little guys (laughs) reach the, like just a little thing, like an ejaculation celebration. Do you want a high five next time? No, I mean, it's like uh, you, you just give the guy a boy's night. Right. Once he successfully gets it in there, and it's called ejaculation celebration. Um, I think you guys get that a lot. Yeah, when's the last time you saw me go out? Shane, we've been in coronavirus. Answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) We've been in coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, it was a stupid thought meant for laughs. Uh, (laughs) No laughs came, but I'm still uh, keeping it in the pod. And this I do not back down from. Uh, Anything else there? Yeah, I had I had one more thing that I wanted to ask you about. Okay, so Shane, oh, but you already kind of covered it. Your hospital expectations. So that's just, you know, we're gonna try to keep the nasty nurses who yeah. think that you're being too overbearing out of our way. Keep them, you know. And can we not stay at the hospital for days again? Well, tell that to the baby who's coming out with possible heart problems, Shane. What it is. It, the the heart has to get followed up. I've been telling you that for weeks. But isn't it isn't it going to be fine? Likely, but no. they still have to. Cardiologists have okay. to follow it up for the next for the first couple of days. Baby comes out. They say it's an amazing heart. <laughs> Can we leave? They can't do the heart test for like twenty four hours or something. After so we point. have to be there for at least one night. Everybody's pretty much there for one night. That, Everybody. That was one of the hardest nights of my life. <laughs> and yeah, I know you, you did talk a lot. About that. <laughs> I know you did a lot. Um, I, I would love to see the reactions of the people watching this right now, the women, and especially those because we do know a lot of uh, couples watch, like listen to this together. And I would love to see the faces of the men and the women right now listening to this and guys possibly agreeing with you and then the women just being like, F off. But On a one, do a lot of couples listen to this together? Uh, yeah. Wow. Somehow I can't imagine that, but okay, I believe it. Um... But what I'm saying is, it was such a relief to get home and to be in our own, oh own bed with the kid. It almost felt easy when we walked through yeah. the door. Just because after we had Lucy, they, they put us in a room with a sh- two sh- other crying babies with a very thin curtain where we could literally see the silhouettes and people chatting. And it felt like we were in a, just a rundown hospital out of like a movie or something. <laughs> It did. It did. And it was, you know what, because that was at, we got admitted to that room maybe 2 a.m. after having been induced and everything earlier that day. And I was still high and feeling kind of weird off the medication. We were both delirious. We have so much adrenaline, so much oxytocin running through our bodies. And like Lucy was just sleeping because she had just come out and fed. 
So she was actually sleeping pretty well, but then the other babies in the room were crying. We were exhausted. It was horrible. And then you and I were up from 2 a.m. until until the next night. Yeah. That was so difficult. And then I didn't really go to sleep the next night either. It was so uncomfortable. Well, cause then, and do you remember? The baby started, like Lucy started cluster feeding that night too. Mm. So we're trying to deal with her cluster feeding. And it was, and in between all that, you know, you have nurses in and out. And yeah, it's crazy. I would have done anything to just go home. I'm so scared just for this, the birthing and sleeping in a hospital. I hate, because <laughs> we didn't have the private room. Maybe if we get the private room, it'll be better. That's what I'm hoping. It was, for some reason, the last time I gave birth, the hospital was jam-packed. It was like a club. And you could not get a seat at the table. Like, you know, those little private VIP booths, which would be the private rooms, could not get one. Uh, even though we had signed up for one. So it was it was really difficult. So we're hoping that things kind of work more in our favor this time. True dat. Uh, okay, I just have some things written down. Controversial subject here. I don't really love babies. What do you think of that? Shane, I think you sound controversial on everything so far we've talked about. But what? fairly. I said I'll do horse lips. I'm moaning. <laughs> I just said let's start without... Me doing it. I hate hospitals. That was a terrible sleep. Well, I don't like being in a hospital room with two other crying babies. Can anyone else relate to me? That's not that Everybody can relate to that. Okay, so that's not controversial. All I'll right. do horse lips. I'll do moaning. And I do not love babies. Right. And My favorite phase is the phase Lucy is in right now. And I just would like to maybe have you handle Betty until she's two. <laughs> and then I'll take over both kids. See, I think... Some of this is coming from a place where you're a little gun shy because Lucy at that age, she would flip out when somebody held her that wasn't me a lot of the time because she was, Lucy was really attached to the boob and like I think more so than other babies and you would kind of possibly get nervous or something. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't nervous at all. I think that you felt a certain way about how she'd cry. No, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't feel anything like that. (laughs) I didn't, though. You don't know me. <laughs> Everything you said, I didn't feel. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. But I just I just think that there's more to it than just... Just all babies seem the same. Well, all they do, babe, is poop and cry and look I know cute. that. I don't need you to explain that but to do me. But do you not remember how much we just stare at Lucy and be like, oh, look how cute she is, and like take just, little pictures of, of her? Of course. And... Of course. No, I, I love our baby, and it's very cool, but... The least I could love our child is when it's a baby, (laughs) but I still love it. You know what I mean? But now, like, I'm obsessed with Lucy, and I think Lucy's obsessed with me because I am great at playing with toddlers. You are. No, you are. But I'm really bad at interacting with babies. I don't know what to do. Well, and here's, I think... I'm too advanced for them. (laughs) Toddlers are on the same wavelength. Here's another thing, though, I think, that you were home for the first month of Lucy's now at this moment in time alex's mic inexplicably stopped working so you're going to notice things sound weird for about the next five minutes or so but don't worry the interviews are perfectly normal life and then you were gone at work and you were doing a show at that time so you weren't even coming home until one o'clock in the morning you were working all weekends yeah and it was hell and you never even had that time because like I don't know how to interact with babies, but I had a lot of time. Yes, you do. You're great at interacting with babies. I had a lot of time to learn. That's the thing, being home with her. But you're just good with babies. You have a very expressive face. Babies love you. Babies love John. But John's my dad. Yeah. Toddlers love me. 
I think you're being a stubborn ass right now. No, I will try it. It's just the what I'm trying to say is in the most blunt way possible for maybe some laughs. So can we have some laughs on the pod? <laughs> is is that baby phase is my least favorite phase? That's is that a more palatable way no, to say? That's it? totally fair. Okay. I just think that you are going to be surprised by how you feel when this baby comes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like you were going to say something better than that, the way your tone was. Um, no brain, guys. No brain. Okay. I have a contest for us. You have a contest. Let's hear it. Okay. We can't get... Well, we can get mad at each other, but we're going to try not to get mad at each other for a long time and kind of treat each other like we're dating again from when the baby comes out. And I what, I, I know this is harder for me. I've been waiting to do this contest since we got out of the honeymoon period. I know. It's for me, mainly. I get that. But still, you, you've been testing a few times with me in three years. Uh, <laughs> no, but let's try that. In. I'm so in. I'm so glad you suggested this and not me. This yeah. is great. So, okay, so how do you how do you think you're going to go about doing this? Like, how are you going to stop yourself from getting... Because I'm competitive. Or- I'm competitive and I want to win. And it's like the contest with Seinfeld where Elaine was expected to win because... In this show, Seinfeld, uh, they were, and it was in the 90s, they were saying that women, it's easier for women, which well, may, may not what? be true. This is, to, well, to, you know, like the, in, in the nature of Seinfeld, I don't want to say it because the episode didn't say it. Uh, being master of your domain. Okay, there you go. Masturbation, okay? It's about <laughs> masturbation, jerking it, all right? Mm-hmm. But Elaine ended up losing. So I want you to lose because you're expected to win and I'm competitive, so I'm going to be very kind to you. And not be irritable. You don't think that even you being less irritable and less stubborn is just going to make me even happier and nicer because then there's nothing for me to get, like, you know, silently frustrated at? I don't know. Well, let's see how it goes. Uh, Anyway, this is just a contest. Um, I've been having weird thoughts. Uh, What does that mean? Well, I'm looking at a list. I write it down. I'm not bringing it up properly, but I have weird thoughts. Uh, about having two girls and I've just like you know we've been doing a lot of cleaning and prepping and things in preparation for Betty and sometimes I'll just start thinking about oh my goodness we're having two girls does that mean I'm gonna have to pay for two weddings because is that a thing like does the does is that not a thing anymore good no that's not a thing anymore I think it's a thing maybe but well I'm six percent Ashkenazi Jew or whatever it's called (laughs) Ashkenazi Jew but that too I, I, I don't think it's common practice in Western culture. Okay, good. We got that out. Okay, I got the contest. I don't want to stay in the hospital. I wish I could deliver the baby, uh, like carry the baby and have it come out of me instead of you. Uh, I've been thinking too a lot about how, how and this is a, an odd thought to be having on this episode, that I can't help but judge the baby's looks on cuteness and comparability to Lucy like I'm so fascinated by how this kid's gonna look what is that bad to say I'm not saying I'm gonna love one more than the other based off that I'm so excited to listen to this episode um but we've talked about this yeah but I I think when we talk about it it doesn't come from a place of like I guess it's more who's cute or anything it's just comparing like who has I'm not gonna love the cuter one more it's just maybe an unhealthy fascination with who's going to look different and why, who's going to look more like you. I'm just so fixated on like that. It's you, You've said it too. Now yeah. we're on the mic and the red light's blinking. You're acting like you no, don't no, no, no. have these thoughts. I, I, I think of it in a different way. 
uh, when I think about comparing the two, it's like, first I think of milestones, like who's going to do what milestone at what time. And then when it comes to looks and things like that, I think, I think of it like, right, like, does this one have, does Betty have Shane's nose, whereas Lucy has Why you gotta pick nose. that? Okay. Well, Lucy has my nose, for sure. She does? Like when I was young, yeah. Oh, yeah, I she does. That too. Yeah, and yeah. Everything like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I just, I'm so curious to see how the, yeah. our child is going to look. Me too. Me, and it's mainly because it's just so cool. Yeah. making something yeah. with another person that's literally just a mashup of you and if that is what like self-centered narcissistic so be it but it is so freaking cool of course it's the yeah, coolest I'm and uh even if she comes out and she's an absolute mess i'm still gonna love her the same okay and then the last thing on my little list is revealing betty's full name and sometimes people care about this sort of thing they do. So we're yeah. going to say Betty's name in full right now. Ooh, this is for all those family members that are, you know, waiting in the shadows to judge it. Okay, one, two, three. Betty Ray Cunningham. I hope she likes country. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. We just weren't in a super creative mode when we were naming uh, the middle name part, and we just kind of... It flowed nice, and I think it's. I think I think Ray is one of the most popular things to follow Betty, like I because I googled it. So it's Betty Ray Cunningham. Little Ray of Sunshine. Exactly. So should we get into this episode? Heck yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we are going to get right in here with the woman, the myth, the legend, Rafaela, the one who started the controversy with Mick, but then ended up being her friend. Or should we not reveal that? <laughs> We already have revealed it. Okay, well then we'll say it. But first. We are supported by Bravado Designs. I gotta say, in these last few weeks of pregnancy, I haven't worn anything except for my Bravado Designs nursing bra and sweatpants. And I ain't complaining. <laughs> it is so hot outside. I am so uncomfortable. It's the only thing that I can wear comfortably on my body. They look good on you. Well, thank you. I think they look good on everybody, and that's part of the reason why I love them so much. So if you are a pregnant or soon-to-be postpartum mother like me, you can go to bravadodesigns.com for their nursing collection. But Alex, what if you're just like a regular woman, you're not pregnant or even <laughs> thinking about being pregnant? Well, then the everyday collection is for you. No clips, same comfort, best ever. You can go to ca.bravadodesigns.com for that and trust me, your boobs will love it. Not only that, but if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 at checkout, Shane, what are you going to get? 20% off. It's pretty huge. Enjoy, ladies. But we are also supported by... By Tushy. Tushy makes bidets. Fancy, you ask? Well, maybe to some, but bidets are actually used in most places in the world. I think a little bit less in North America, and we're hoping to change that. Well, I got to travel more because I have never used a bidet <laughs> when I've been on vacation, but I guess I haven't been going to the uh, the best joints. No, probably not. But Shane, what I love about the bidet is how clean it makes your butt, essentially. Like if you're walking down the road and a bird poops on you. Well, one, I wouldn't be walking on the road, but let's say sidewalk. Bird poops on me. What do you do? I certainly would not wipe it off with toilet paper. I would no. probably uh, wet it first. Absolutely. So why only use toilet paper on your butt? Toshi is an amazing, unconventional gift for everyone in your life. Everyone has an ass. So everybody deserves a Tushy, and I'm really excited to use it postpartum when things down there are 
a little more sore than usual. And one thing I love about it is the heat, meaning you can change the temperature you like. So I like it on hot personally. I did accidentally for the first time try it on cold and it was... uh, (laughs) It was still fun. I think it's refreshing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But I like it nice and warm. (laughs) The tushy is only $79, which is amazing for, you know, a little at-home spa treatment. And for 10% off of a tushy, you can go to www.hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree. But now, on to our interview with Rafaela. Hello? Can you hear me? We can. I can hear you now. Can you hear us? Oh, no. Oh, no. What did I do? Here, we're going to call back. If you can hear me, we're going to call back. Okay, can you hear me now? We Okay, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, so I had my AirPods in, and then I don't think you could hear me? No, we couldn't. <laughs> Remember when I said AirPods would work great? I lied. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, just kidding. I take everything back yeah, then. You sound great now, though. Yes. But since we screwed up the hello, let's just say hello, and I might edit it and make it seem like we got a normal introduction. Hi. Yeah, Ra- that works. Rafaela, how are you? Hi. It's so great to finally talk to you guys. Yeah. And I'm alive, so that's good. How are you? <laughs> We're alive. We are healthy as we can be, I guess. And uh, yeah, super happy to be talking to you. So, Rafaela. I have been following you since I'm sure a lot of people started following you when you went viral. I found out about you through not even the birds, not even Sarah Nicole from Birds Papaya herself, but through comments of people saying, Sarah, somebody's calling you out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? It was, you know, after I put the baby to bed, I had some time on my hands. So I did some snooping, came across your profile, and it was, I mean, this happened before. A lot has happened since then. This was about a month ago. But you disrupted the internet in a way that was, I think, people were so desperate for it and so in need of it. You called out the body positive movement and prominent women in the body positive movement for not being inclusive enough and sharing the space with a more diverse selection of women. And diverse, I mean, you know, the body positive movement right now online or at least a month ago, was thin white women. And I found that, you know, I was following a lot of these ladies. I thought that my feed was diverse because I followed them. You came into the picture, you spun my head around, and I'm sure a million other people's as I've read through your comments. So I was hoping (laughs) you could kind of take us along that journey because that was ballsy as hell. That was ballsy (laughs) as hell to do. You called out prominent influencers by name and I think you only had around 9,000 followers so what (laughs) what kind of brought you to that point where you're like you know what I'm going to mention these women I'm going to force them into the conversation and we're going to go from there what brought you to that point oh my goodness it's always shocking to hear it said back to me (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah you're right I had about 9,000 followers at the time so nothing massive and I've been using my social media for my own advocacy for about two years now. Mm -hmm. So this topic really isn't new for me. For me, it wasn't that 
ballsier that new for me to discuss I guess the ballsy part was tagging them and then actually seeing it (laughs) and and putting up the photos and everything did you expect them to actually look at it and for this to actually be disrupted (laughs) or did you just think oh I'm gonna do this and it's not gonna cause any waves oh my god no, no, no. I had I've never gone viral before. I've never had a post blow up. I usually am just speaking to my friends, family, community members, um maybe the odd person who stumbled upon my account. Mm-hmm. But no, nothing's ever happened and I never expected anything to. Like I've had posts in the past where I've tagged or mentioned certain influencers or people or tried to maybe get someone's attention in the past mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. And that's the thing with Instagram, which is part of this whole conversation, is that there's so many people screaming into the abyss yeah. and not being heard. And that was me for so long. I think it was just the right recipe of like pissing off enough people yeah. that they were like, oh, who is this person? <laughs> well, you certainly did that. And I can see that you are still doing that, which is amazing. And it's amazing for you to be able to kind of I I mean, I don't know how you take it, but to be able to continue to allow these people, you know, kind of open range to comment on your things, like, I don't know how I'd handle if I'd be deleting them or block, like... What do you mean these people, open range, what do you mean? Like, Rafaela gets a a ton of hateful comments under anything she posts, from what I see, like a ton of supportive comments, but a ton... Is this still happening even now? Are they still... Oh my God, yes. (laughs) These must be troll accounts though, right? Like, because publicly, even for their own safety, they wouldn't be doing it. Yes and no. That's the thing, like a lot of them are troll accounts and some of them aren't but the thing is like at first i got a lot of overwhelming like positive comments mm-hmm. a lot of people saying wow you just said something i've been thinking for so long because as i said this isn't a new thought this is yeah. definitely something people have been feeling and then some people with very large platforms who didn't like what i was saying um made some posts and youtube videos about me in a very oh negative light And then their like millions of followers came to the attack and I was overwhelmed and I'm not going to lie. I cried. I was just like, I'm just sitting alone in my apartment, staring at my phone, not knowing what's happening. Gained like 16,000 followers in like a couple days. Mm -hmm. It was just chaos. And it it came to a point where... I couldn't read my comments at all. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, I was really trying at first to respond to people because I know how it feels to not have your voice heard or your questions answered. So I really wanted to make sure I was acknowledging people. And so I was like taking the time to do that. But then just the horrible, hateful messages. Yeah. I, it gets to a point where there's no discussion. There's no trying to have like a real I don't even know. I'm real meaningful conversation about hearing two perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's just hateful. And I had to step away from my mo- from my own mental health. I was like, uh, yeah. no. And then that died down. And then yesterday, I believe, I found another YouTube video that was made about me in a negative light. So now they're back. <laughs> is there anything flattering about it at all? Like I, I sometimes hear people saying all press is good press. Well, it's a it's a famous saying. Is there anything <laughs> when you see somebody who's maybe a notable hater commenting on you? Are, is there any pride associated with that? Like, oh, well, I must be getting through if I've irritated this person so much. 
Oh no, not at all. Okay. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> no, it just makes my anxiety immensely. And it's funny, I've had some people say like, "Oh, this is like your first like internet feud." I'm like, "Yay!" How are... so? Things like that. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I'm pissing off enough people that it's um, like a meaningful conversation. Yeah. But then obviously my own pride and ego gets in the way and my start questioning my self-worth. And so it's a lot of it's a been a battle with my mental health, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to work through it because I, I think that this work is really important. And if it's pissing off a lot of people, that means that no one else is talking about this, yeah. at least publicly. And it needs to be said. Well, and it's interesting even thinking of it as an Internet feud because you typically think about that with like maybe one other person. But this is with a huge population of people that weren't exposed to this type of thinking and they're taking personal offense. And I have to say like when I first saw your post, like I was already in a position where I had been researching the history of body positive because I, you know, I'm struggling myself. I, I and I will say it like I'm a thin white woman with very I don't know, Shane tells me all the time, like, well, you don't have a lot to complain about, but I have a really hard time accepting certain things about myself. And mm-hmm. Al- was- Alex is grabbing her thighs as she's saying yes. that. <laughs> so for me reading this, it was interesting because I wasn't shocked by the fact that you brought this to light because I had already been kind of doing my own research on it. But I was shocked at the amount of people that were so far on one side of it or the other and not able to see the perspective of the other because like I know the mm-hmm. history and I've brought this up on my page before too just out of a like hey can somebody please help me understand this way like I know that it started with fat women of color advocating for equal rights and no discrimination because there is very real discrimination and then from my understanding I thought that in 1996 when Connie Sobchak took over or this is the thing that happened, right? She, I guess, took over. But when I was researching it, I was like, she started her own movement and that was body positive movement. And then I thought that they were two separate things, the fat acceptance movement and body positive. So I was just wondering if like, are they absolutely inherently combined and the same movement or is like, are they two separate ones and how that's viewed from body positive activists and fat activists? Those are good questions. And I love that you've done the research. I've had a lot of people really just demanding that I explain it all. And I'm like, it's just Google. I mean, actually, I'll admit it was hard to find because I knew this information just from being within the space. But when people were asking me for exact articles, I was Mm -hmm. like digging. I'm like, I know this information. And it was a little more hidden than I thought. So it is really important we are talking about it. So yeah, body positivity, just as you said, was for mostly like fat, marginalized people of color, specifically black women, mm-hmm. and for like equality and rights. It wasn't about just, you know, self-love. And that's what people are equating it to now. Yes. And with fat acceptance, that's an interesting point that a lot of people have said to me as well. They said, well, can't you just call that fat acceptance and leave body positivity for everyone? And like, Yeah, fat acceptance is good, Mm -hmm. but that's not really the same thing. It's like we are coming down to semantics and specific terms here. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, we are trying to steal away this term body positivity from like people of color, specifically black women Mm -hmm. and people living in bigger bodies. 
it's like haven't we stolen enough from yeah. people of color like can we just literally this one word this one term can't we just leave it alone and with fat acceptance i think that removes a lot of other marginalized bodies within the movement right, right? disabled bodies transgender queer people mm-hmm. people of all different like limb and facial differences so i think that's a major factor as well that body positivity is a more encompassing movement yeah but fat acceptance is also very much needed but i think it also challenges people more because people are very uncomfortable with the word fat yes i am yeah like if i use the word fat i would be at risk of offending someone like you even told me like alex like should you be saying fat acceptance because i've talked about this before that's my question can can i use the word fat or is that a word reserved for people who are in this movement Mm -hmm. and that's another thing too i myself like i've been in a bigger body my entire life and the word fat was always used against me and to right. shame me. So I hated it. I hated mm-hmm. that word. I never identified as it until more recently seeing more people living in bigger bodies using the term fat and saying it's not a negative thing. Like, okay, I'm fat, but that doesn't mean I'm ugly. That doesn't mean I'm worthless. Yeah. Just really reclaiming the term. And I was, I really loved that. And I really mm-hmm. identified with yeah, I am living in a bigger body and that's okay. And it doesn't have to mean all these other negative things that are associated with that. And I am hesitant to give everyone the pass to like, yeah, call everyone fat. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have to be mindful in our language. So like, oh, look at that fat person. Like, I I, I guess intention (laughs) and time and place matter too. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, like, if you see that, say, an activist, like, if you see that I refer to myself as fat, and then, okay, great, and then you want to use that term, like, oh, we're speaking to, a, like, Rafaela, this fat activist, mental mm-hmm. illness activist, as a way that I'm describing myself. So I would just ask people, like, how they want to identify, or yeah. mm-hmm. just playing on the safer side and saying, like, you know, person living in a bigger body. Because even if in this space and this post, some people who I thought would identify as fat call themselves like curvy or right. thick, which I mean, everyone likes some terms, really hates some terms. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy, like I need to make sure that I don't accidentally refer to someone in some way that they do not themselves yeah. identify. It's a bit of a minefield. Yeah, I guess. it has so much probably to do with experience and lived experience so hearing the voices from people within the movement that are fighting for this movement instead of people who don't identify like that because again we can only make assumptions based on what we've read and heard and that differs for every single person involved and I was curious because I saw an article from a bikini designer that you called out and I can't (laughs) remember her name for life of me um oh I do (laughs) I bet you do uh but I was curious so I've seen great feedback and more inclusive behavior within the community but then I've also seen negative feedback what did you get from the influencers that you called out as a whole yeah like like tagged in the post uh, I think there was about five mm-hmm. thin women who have like major platforms that were just kind of examples of what I was talking about and they've all contacted me and that was also super scary I, was, <laughs> I just immediately went Canadian I was like oh my god I am so sorry like I've, this was all an accident and I've actually become like really good friends with some of them which has been That's amazing awesome. 
and yeah the bikini designer human uh she wasn't happy mm-hmm. and she didn't like what i said did not agree with me in any way and became extremely defensive and dismissive and i was pretty shocked i was like oh so she was not okay, open to conversation <laughs> opened a conversation like we like exchanged some voice notes and messages and I really explained where I was coming from I tried to approach it with so much like compassion Mm. and kindness and she just replied saying that she's already passing the mic she's already doing so many things for women um everyone is equal and everyone has a voice and I was like I hear you but we can still do more and it was it was just very yep that was an interesting time for me. And she has 1.1 million followers. Oh, so it's like, right. this is a massive, massive platform. And you just don't want to listen to any other perspectives. And I had to step away from it because you can't change people. Honestly, I can only speak my opinion, my perspective. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like, no one has to listen to me at all. I'm like, who am I to say anything? <laughs> well, I guess when you're hitting on a truth, people really tend to listen. And I was wondering, in your original post, and excuse me for my terrible lack of research, having not read it, just I left that work to my wife, but, and I want to learn on here like the audience might. But was the, the co- original commentary, was it more on these individuals representing something you don't like and more talking about how society's following these people? Or was it an actual attack on the people themselves? Hmm, that's a good question. And I guess I could actually explain the post. So as I said, it was something I've thought about for a very long time, as well as lots of my friends have. And hmm, so I've been trying to create content in the space as like a plus size person, as a person living with mental illness. And my posts have not reached many people. And it's gotten to a point of frustration where I'm like, okay, I really have something to say. I really think I can help people make a difference, Mm -hmm. but no one's listening. And the Instagram algorithm does not work in your favor unless you perfectly fit society's like ideal beauty standard. And I was just sick of it. I saw, I think on my explore page, one of these influencers popped up and it was a side by side of like Instagram versus reality one in which they're like posing and one in which they're like kind of standing there relaxed and it has you know millions of likes they have millions of followers Mm -hmm. and everyone's praising them and the captions like you know like love your body and it's just i was so fed up and i decided to make a post saying like there's people talking in this space who are more marginalized who have lived experience who are not being heard and then a handful of thin white women who are objectively very beautiful and perfectly Mm -hmm. fit the ideal beauty standard are getting praise and money a lot of this is their full-time income and i even say in my post i'm saying that's amazing like good for them like this is awesome that they are helping people with their insecurities such as stretch marks cellulite having a belly but there's no acknowledgement that there are other bodies that there are other people in the world and a big thing for me in this post was this person or these influencers could stand there stick out their stomach you know pinch their thighs to see some fat Mm -hmm. and then they can put on pants go out the door and be treated exactly as like the most privileged person Mm -hmm. and not be shamed or objectified for like their body mass 
or told to go yeah. lose weight. Yeah. That's the problem is I can post the same photo of me showing my thighs, my belly that hangs out, my stretch marks. And then I go out in the world and I'm shamed and I'm dismissed by my doctors who think I just need to go lose weight. I don't actually have an anxiety disorder. I, you know, all these different features in which my life has been completely impacted right. by the body in which I live in. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted those voices to be heard as well. It was never a silencing, never an attack or a shaming because it is amazing to see people talking about something that's not just brand deals or their perfect skincare yeah. routine. It is amazing to see these you know, yeah. quote unquote imperfections that we all possess. Yeah, it seems like the secret sauce with the imperfections is you're massively popular if you have the imperfections, yet you're still conventionally beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And that's a massive thing. And yeah, in my post, I, I compared like if I posted that versus them, I wouldn't even get half the engagement. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of comments saying, well, yeah, of course, people don't want to look at you like they're beautiful. We want to look at them. And I'm like, yeah, you're really proving my point here. Like, it's <laughs> the meanest thing I've ever heard. I think. Yeah. Um, but Rafael, one of the things that I really loved that you brought into it and that you've now been campaigning for is like, look, I don't want to silence you. I just want to be in the conversation. So pass the mic off to me. Pass the mic off to somebody else who can speak from more experience and come in with a more marginalized experience and give insight into that. And then you like. I mean, I can easily cover up the things I don't like about myself. And that part of it, too, was speaking to me. And then I was like, holy shit, like, I'm not following anybody that speaks to this movement. I'm coming mm -hmm. and following people who look like me and think like me only. And mm -hmm. then I went and I started diversifying my feed. And I really love that. And I love the perspective that it brings into my life. And now we are in the midst of a equal rights revolution, Black Lives Matter movement. And I think so many people are finally realizing the need to pass the mic. There was the share the mic event earlier this week and diversify their feeds because they're only seeing what the algorithm wants them to see based on popularity and based on conventional standards. So exactly. It's so interesting. So how have you kind of translated your body positive movement to now? Like you're a huge supporter and amplifier of marginalized voices, even within the black community right now. So how, how does that kind of translate? Yeah, it's been that's been such an interesting thing, how my post went viral right before this massive and important movement of Black Lives Matter. And it's been a seamless transition for me because it's the same message, right? Mm -hmm. It's still, we need to pass the mic. Look at yeah. the people that you are not following. And even before the murder of George Floyd, I posted a little example to my Instagram story saying, okay, like without looking at your phone, can you name three fat black influencers? I did that. I put my phone down and I did that and I couldn't. And I said, don't name Lizzo. Yes, I saw that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And a lot of people said Lizzo, Oprah, Michelle Obama. And I'm like, you guys are missing it. And I said, <laughs> if you could think of three thin white influencers, yeah, absolutely. you can do that in seconds. I can. Easy. And that's a big problem. And so I want to know, uh, before we get going. And then I have one more question. After oh, you go, yeah. you go ahead. Jane. Okay. Oh, so, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 
My question is, recently I was looking at your account and it seemed like you were possibly on the opposite side of backlash where somebody had potentially stolen your intellectual property and it turns out they might not have and then you realized that uh, everybody's unoriginal. Like how, how were you feeling when it was you on the wrong side maybe of an opinion? Yeah, and I don't think there's necessarily ever a right or wrong side. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously come from the perspective of living so long without my voice being heard that as soon as I saw other people saying the same thing in a very similar manner, I immediately felt defensive and hurt and, yeah. okay, for the first time in my life, I'm being heard and now someone else is doing it louder and better than me. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I'm actually not adding value to this space at all. Well, and just to explain the um, issue, the issue was people were stealing a quote that you had and passing it around, or so you thought. Yeah, like the hashtag of, like, passing the mic and practically, like, almost the exact words and terminology that I've been discussing lately in my posts and so for me, it felt, it just felt, I just felt hurt, I guess. And I felt defensive. And yesterday, and after weeks and weeks of all of this internet in my face, I had a, just like a breakdown yesterday. I was so worn out. And I took a step back for a bit and I thought, okay, well, who am I to think that everything's about me? Mm-hmm. Because it's not. And we are influenced by so many different people all the time. Like the term pass the mic, I did not invent that. I don't know who did. I need to look it up. (laughs) But it's like, because I brought it to light recently, I was like, okay, it's happening. And I had lots of people messaging me like, oh, your movement's taking off. Now there's this share the mic now program. And I was like, nope, that's that's not me. And yeah, I felt, felt hurt. But then through just allowing myself to sit in that discomfort, Instead of continually being defensive and aggressive, it's like, no, I need to step back, recognize what these feelings are within myself, and realize that even if it's not my voice saying those words, they are still being said, and they are still making a difference. And who knows, maybe someone somewhere saw my post or talked to someone, and you know what, even if I don't get the credit for that, (laughs) we're still making a difference, we're still making an impact in this space and ultimately that is what matters oh it's it matters huge and I think you know being able to be uncomfortable and be okay with that discomfort and then using it to say okay I got to take the next step I got to learn is such a good thing both with the body positive movement and everything that stemmed from that and now with the equal rights movement that we're seeing it's so good that so many people are so damn uncomfortable I love it and before yes. <laughs> we go, I want you to, uh, if you could share in the spirit of education, taking next steps forward, if any of my listeners, if you guys haven't diversified your feeds yet, if you aren't hearing from these marginalized voices, Rafella, do you have any favorite voices from the body activism community or the black community that you think should be amplified that my followers, my listeners should follow? Oh my God, there's too many. I'm just they're <laughs> racing through my head right now. Oh, okay. Someone I followed for a very long time is Kenitra for Humanity. Mm-hmm. She had about 8,000 followers for a long time and now has finally blown up um, in the mental health space, in the Black Lives Matter space. But I've also made a highlight on my page of people to follow, people to pass the mic to. And I would love to personally send you a list of people I love so that we don't get any names wrong. Let's do um, it. Yeah, there's so many. And we just 
find the people that you love and connect with. Don't just follow them because I said so, (laughs) right? That's not going to help anyone. And if you want to check out listeners where uh, Rafaela's highlights, where she does include these names, the most important page you're going to need to go to is Rafaela's. So Rafaela, where can people find you? Yeah, they can follow me at my very complicated name, uh, (laughs) Rafaela underscore Mancuso. I don't know if they're going to spell that properly, but I'm sure you'll find me eventually. Well, spell Rafaela for us. (laughs) Okay, it's R-A-F-F-E-L-A. If you type that in, it should hopefully bring you somewhere yeah, close. You're the most popular <laughs> Rafael on the internet. I stand by that statement. Hell yeah. Now, we are going to talk to Mick Zazon on this episode, I believe. Now, we're talking to her next week, though. Uh, do you have any messages for her? Like, is she a friend? Do you want us to tell her to F off? Like, where do you stand with her? <laughs> oh, she's so sweet. She's someone that I spoke to a lot, and I think she's really trying to make a difference and just do better so i just have nothing but love for her that's awesome perfect all right we'll send that along rafaela thank you so much for your time today i'm so happy that we got to chat you are an absolute sweetheart but i i do hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and please throw out those airpods (laughs) 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 okay i definitely will you guys are the sweetest thank you for talking to me take care yeah all right bye-bye bye rafaela now let's go to Mick Zazon. But first, we are supported by Hello Bello, and that is Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard's eco friendly diaper line that was basically created to eliminate the choice that so many parents face between what's best for their kids and what's best for your budget. It's weird because somebody just commented on your recent Instagram post, Shaq's Shepherd. I saw that. Calling, I'm just saying, I this saw was that. this was meant to be. People think I'm I'm Dax like. <laughs> Continue. So this line, what I love about it, it gives parents like us peace of mind because every product is made using safe, effective ingredients and organic botanicals when possible. So for us, our favorite product is the diapers and we get ours in bundles. They I'm are- a shallow person. I like the way the diapers look and I love how soft they are. Aren't they so soft? They're like pillows. They're honestly so soft. It's like silk and that's because they're made from a mixture of plant-based materials and thoughtfully chosen traditional materials in order to deliver super absorbent leak protection and a super comfy and soft fit and feel. Hypoallergenic, eco-friendly, and super effective, let's not leave out adorable looking. What was the stuff you had in the bathroom the other day that smelled amazing? Oh, that was Hello Bello bath wash. Body wash and bath bubble bath? That stuff's amazing. Yeah, no kidding. And I mentioned it before, I'm a shallow person. I love the diaper designs. They refresh (laughs) their adorable diaper designs three times a year. So there are several cute designs to choose from. Lucy was obsessed with the sloths. Currently in those on the daily. And now we have really cute ones that we get to use for Betty. And they have a really nice summery floral design. So I'm just loving changing newborn diapers for that reason alone. What, you've changed newborn diapers? When this episode comes out, it'll be. No. This episode comes out. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, we've been changing newborn diapers and loving it. (laughs) All these products are available at hellobello.ca and now, super exciting, in store as well for people who prefer to shop that way. So to check out where you can get Hello Bello nearest you, visit the store locator at hellobello.ca, enter your postal code, and it'll let you know where to shop. But if you do use their website, you can use the promo code ThisFamilyTree30 for 30% off your first diaper bundle. Your ears are not deceiving you. That is 30% off at checkout by using ThisFamilyTree30 
for 30% off your first diaper bundle. Cha-ching! That's right, 30% off to say hello, peace of mind. And goodbye to the bad stuff. And what's that website again? Let's just say it one more time. HelloBello.ca Okay, but we are also supported by... By Miku. Miku makes our favorite baby monitor. And that is the Miku Smart baby monitor. Now, if you've ever had a bad baby monitor, you will <laughs> truly appreciate the Miku Smart baby monitor. What I love about Miku is that it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals, nursery conditions, things like that. The HD video and photo is incredible, just like the night vision. And I like it because it's actually saving me money on another noise machine because it has noises and lullabies built right in. And unlike other baby monitors that track breathing, you don't actually need to attach anything to your baby. Like some things you have to put a sock on them, other things you have to attach something to their tummy. Miku just uses sensor fusion technology and monitors your baby's breathing as it sleeps. They record sleep analytics and gives you data the next morning of any time your baby was awake, what their breathing was like, what their sleeping was like. More than anything, it's saving us on sleep. Anyone who's oh ever had a newborn, which I think if you have a kid, you've had a newborn at some point, you're just so concerned about them staying alive. Yeah. And they're breathing and this takes away all the worry and adds all the sleep to you. No, it is without a doubt the best part and if you want 79 dollars off of a miku which i know you do go to mikucare.com and use the promo code this family tree 20. live a little sleep a lot i just made that up yeah it sounds good and now on to our interview with mick zazan hello hey mick I know you from following you on Instagram. You are a source of huge inspiration. And especially for Shane and I, we are about to have our second daughter. And our conversation around body image has changed a lot since we had our first. And I started following you because I really love the normalized normal bodies. And I Well, just I don't even think we had a conversation surrounding body image before. So. No. Mm -hmm. And we are mm. still working on it. And Mick, I want to know because you are really into fitness, you are really into doing what makes you feel good. And I want to ask, what is health to you? So health, that's a loaded word. A lot of us think of health as what someone looks like. If they have less fat on their body and you can see muscles and they eat salad, a lot of people would say, yeah, that's health. <laughs> um, but <laughs> as we all know, and probably a lot of us women have experienced that's not always the case. In fact, it's, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. So health means showing up as you are and taking it one step at a time and asking yourself, what is the kindest thing that I can do for my body right now? Because that can mean a, a lot of different things. That could mean honoring your emotions and eating ice cream and resting. That can mean eating a salad and that could mean eating ice cream and going for a walk or going to the gym for a, a leg day session or whatever, whatever it is. It means what you and your body need it to be, not what anybody else needs it to be. Plus salads are pretty fucking boring. If you eat them every day, they can be delicious, but they <laughs> get boring. <laughs> and yes. so I want to know, cause you, you know, you talk about 
a myriad of things on your Instagram, on your website. So you do workout videos, which are super great. You do reminders to eat your like daily reminders. Go eat your body. Go eat your body. Oh my God. Go feed your body. Mm -hmm. Go eat something. And then you post photos of, you know, just your normal body and everything that encompasses. So some people might say, well, this doesn't really go with a health and fitness account. And I know you used to be in the fitness world. So how do you kind of connect all those three things and say, yeah, this is a place, this does have a place, and this is how it relates to fitness? Yeah, so um, I think when when you think of fitness and health, like I was just talking about, uh, there's a lot of history behind it. And unfortunately, as I educate myself and um, as others educate me on important issues that are happening in the world, a lot of it is based around power, money, and trying to control us in any way that they can mm -hmm. um, to get that paper. For some reason, people are so money-driven that they'll hurt people in the process. So the diet and exercise industry is a $70 billion industry. Jeez. They make $70 billion per year. And I believe daily, it's like over $100 million. I, that's a rough estimate uh, that is being spent on diet. So you're probably thinking like, that means oh, a lot of people right now are on their phones or on their computers spending money to fit the mold of what health and fitness is. Mm -hmm. And whether that be through ads, whether that be through following um, a health and, and fitness influencer that sells programs based on transformation photos, which is psychologically and scientifically proven to be very unhealthy for anyone's brain to see, I think that they need to be a certain way. And so it's a lot more loaded than just me posting on social media because it even goes back to all the way back to systemic racism and trying to make people fit the mold of what this society in the United States was built to be in mm -hmm. favor of white people. So when you think about diet culture, we can't ignore uh, food deserts. We can't ignore healthcare. We can't ignore these really very important issues that are happening in the world because everything is all lumped together. So when I post on social media and say, this is my normal body and use the hashtag normalize normal bodies, that's not saying only my body type is normal. Mm -hmm. It's me fighting the system that has placed labels and placed these horrible systems in place so that people can fit the mold and we can continue spending money to fuel that system. Yeah. And in order to break the mold, we have to be speaking our truth. You know what I mean? So that does mean being bold on Instagram. That does mean, mm -hmm. you know, talking about it in person with people. It means doing the internal work through every person. It's not just an individual thing. It's a whole system. So when you look at it that way, it's, it's a lot bigger than we really think. Yeah. And like talking about the size of that interest industry and how much money gets poured into it. Do you ever get backlash from that in industry because of what you promote? Um, yes. And yes. <laughs> Most, <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> mostly from people who haven't 
either who are stuck in disordered eating or their eating disorder or a mental illness and they are and I've been there too I I struggled with three different eating disorders orthorexia binge eating disorder and bulimia and I know can you can you just define what orthorexia is yes so orthorexia is the hidden eating disorder um, that most people don't know about and it's probably affecting the most people too. So orthorexia is extreme, is having extreme control over what you eat and being, the best way that I can explain it is being overly, being OCD about what you eat. It, it, it is consuming your brain right. to eat the healthiest thing that you can possibly eat. And it actually says in the definition that it's almost like a religious belief that you are being as clean of an eater as you can possibly be and there is judgment towards others that don't do the same so it can look like macro tracking if you're obsessed with macro tracking it can look like eating eggs but only eating egg whites and only using zero calorie um pan spray instead of butter when you went through that like did you have a lot of shame if you would eat something that was not considered you know, like the ultimate in cleanliness and health, or would you just avoid foods that made you feel like that completely? It came in stages. It started with shame and it evolved into me being scared of food. And why is there so much uh, polarization within the body confidence, body positivity movement, however, which way you call it? It seems like there's always some sort of controversy swirling around it. Why do you think that is? In, in what way? Like, for example, if somebody's more conventionally attractive and they're maybe speaking mm. on the body positivity movement, they might receive backlash for not approaching it the right way, or maybe they're they're in too good of a shape to even be speaking on it properly, or what's deemed as too good of shape. So I, I was just wondering your thoughts on that and why you think everyone can't just get along within this community. I have done a lot of learning the past two years, and within that learning, I have unfollowed a lot of people who have made me feel like a lesser version of myself and and followed a more diverse group of people. And in that process, I heard them speaking about, and specifically Black body positive women speaking about where the body positive movement originated from, which is Black fat women. Mm -hmm. And that is where people get confused because in to say it simply, you know, me as a straight sized woman, I'm I am not in the body positive movement. I can be an ally to right. them and raise their voices because ultimately they created that movement because they didn't have a voice. And for me or anybody else in a thinner body to steal that microphone is stealing their voice in a way and it's our job to to elevate them because they've been silenced for so long so there is a distinct difference between body positivity and body confidence and body liberation and self-love and self-care put simply how would you define the difference between body confidence and body positivity so body positivity again it was created by black fat women and because they didn't have a voice so they have used that word and the hashtag to to elevate their own voices. Now, uh, body confidence, everybody can be confident in their body and share their journey. Um, there, 
I've heard a lot of arguments. Well, I can be positive about my body. You know, like I, I can be body positive no matter what the, my body shape is. But yes, you can be positive about your body, but you cannot claim yourself as body positive because that's, yeah, it's just not, you're not in that category. So what about a man? Can, can a man, like, let's say there's a fat man, can he be part of the body positive movement or a white fat woman? Or is it just reserved for black fat women? To my, to my knowledge, yes. And again, I'm still learning. So Mm -hmm. there's, I know there's, so many different terms that deserve to be honored and for their own personal meaning. And there's a difference between fat positivity and body positivity. And I'm, I'm still a student. Right. I've had yeah. to sit back and, and listen and hear them talk and hear their point of view because as a privileged woman who has had a life in a thinner body for the majority of my life, I haven't had to deal with a lot of the struggles and discrimination that they have dealt with their entire Mm -hmm. lives. I was so unsure of all of this. And I was saying that I was body positive. And I was like, you know, just so pumped up by that saying, because I really was trying to come to terms with my postpartum body and the fact that I'm going to go through it all again in a couple weeks. And it's hard to, it was hard to, you know, connect with that new body I had. And I realized that I was following a lot of women who looked like me, who could easily hide the things that they have a hard time coming to terms with, with clothing. And I didn't even realize that my following or who I was following wasn't diverse until Rafaela Mancuso kind of called everybody out and started to pass the mic and call for the elevation of bigger bodies and women who are typically silenced. And you're actually sharing this episode with her. She's our other guest. We've already spoken to her. She's amazing. And you were one of them. Yeah, you were one of the people that she called out. And I was so curious to know what your reaction initially to that was. Yeah. um, So it's interesting because I, when you have a public platform for a long period of time, you get experience with feedback, whether it be positive, negative, in between the lines. And I, owning a retreat company, an event company for women, it has allowed me to sit down, listen, and do my own research. And, you know, seeing that, I, of course, it's like, oh, man, like, crap. But ultimately, I... I just sat there and was like, yeah, man, like I, I do need to do better. All of us mm-hmm. need to do better. And what better time than now yeah. to start? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have any negative feelings. I, I just saw it as a call to action and to thank her for giving, for passing the mic, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. of course. And so you guys are cool right now. Or you, you ladies are cool right now. Yeah, she seemed like she uh, liked you a lot. So this episode's a little less controversial than we thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I, now, this is obviously, it's a family podcast. I'm a father. I'm about to be a father of two girls. For better or worse, what were things that your parents did to either uh, maybe unintentionally make you feel worse about your body or maybe things they did to make you feel better about your body? Like how, how much a part of were your parents of you feeling the way you did? So I think as we all know um, our parents have a massive influence on us, whether we like it or not. And it's through indirect things as well. And I'm going to start off with the good because that's the majority of my 
my experience with this. My parents have always told me to go after my dreams and they will love me no matter what. It was never, it it was always so much more beyond my body. And they encouraged me to do things with my life, travel places, and use my body in, in ways that make me happy. And I've always had that that admiration for them around that. Unfortunately, with their with their age, they grew up where it was, I mean, women had smaller portion sizes. And, you know, my mom had dealt with eating issues growing up because of that. And women were supposed to be small. And if you weren't, you diet or mm-hmm. someone would tell you to stop eating. And it, it was that age where that was more prevalent. And so I hear my mom and dad, you know, talk about, you know, going on a diet because, you know, I ate a lot on vacation. Mm -hmm. And I have to correct them now and say, like, no, this is like your life, you know, like, you can't just go on diets when things get a little out of control, or you're enjoying yourself. Like, why not make this a lifelong thing and be positive about eating the things that you want and exercising the way that you want and trusting your body. So it's like backwards because I'm teaching them a lot right now. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. But Mick, we just need to take a quick break to remind our audience. We are supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. And tonight we are drinking a cocktail made from this spirit called the Eliza. Oh, we're chugging this stuff like it's water. It, it actually may have less calories than water somehow. <laughs> It is pretty delicious, and it's crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories. Seedlip Spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, nine months of pregnancy, or Or forever. forever. Or forever. (laughs) As a non-drinker, it never feels great when you go to the bar, you hang out with friends, and the only options are water, crappy mocktails, or juice. But now, you can skip the booze and not actually feel left out when it comes to your social life. It feels like a real alcoholic beverage, and I think you get all the same relaxing properties from it without the hangover in the morning, which I used to suffer from. <laughs> Shocking. I was overserved, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every drinker. Our favorite is Garden or Spice 94. They're so delicious, tastes kind of like gin. And they're crafted using a bespoke process. Now, so what is a bespoke process? Good question, Shane. It includes traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair perfectly with a splash of tonic or soda. Wow, just off the top of the dome like that and nine months pregnant, baby brain my butt. Oh, I'm with it. Shane and I discovered Seedlip last year and it's become our absolute go-to for a refreshing alternative to an alcoholic beverage. So if you want to get on board like us, head to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and follow Seedlip Social on Instagram for more ways to enjoy Seedlip. What more can you say except for I love it and you will love it too. But we are also supported by 
Hey You. Hey You is the home of reality TV, essentially with over 8,000 episodes from over 300 different reality shows, including, you know, the biggest ones that you love, like The Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Million Dollar Listing Franchises, Vanderpump Rules, which is our favorite, which unfortunately seems to be falling apart, but guess what? <laughs> you can go back from to the beginning and relive all my favorite episodes. There you our go. favorite episodes. It is kind of perfect, and all of this TV, all of this binge-friendly fun costs less than a fancy smoothie. The subscription is only $5.99, including taxes, a month with no contract. And it's fast. Most episodes are available the same day they come out on TV. So not only that, but you can get started right away. And right off the hop, you're going to get one month for free. Unlike this podcast, all the content is ad-free. <laughs> It is. So through the Hey You app and Amazon Prime, you can watch Hey You on your mobile phone, your tablets, your computers, your smart TV. It's so good for on the go. So when Shane gets back to commuting, when I am... I'm never going back to commuting. I Alex. hope Don't not. Don't say that. So if you are interested, go to get.heyyou.com slash the family. Why is it not this family tree? I don't know, but I don't make the URL, okay? So it's get.heyyou.com slash the family. So we're running a little contest. Ba -ba -da -ba. All you have to do is sign up for your free month on get.heyyou.com slash the family and you will be entered into a draw to win a year subscription for free. That is a year, no cost subscription to Hey You, to reality TV. So take part in this contest, sign up, get your first month free, and then maybe 12 more. We will be announcing the winner in less than a month on Monday, July 20th, 2020. So if you do the math, this is completely risk-free. Sign up and good luck. Now, back to Mick. And who encouraged you or what got you into weightlifting? I'm always curious when a woman enters that field because even though weightlifters are obviously in terrific shape, it's usually thought of as something for a man to do because muscles are masculine and not necessarily what women aspire to have. So I grew up an athlete. I was a nationally ranked soccer player. So I was always an athlete and I had a, a traumatic brain injury a few times and Jeez. three knee surgery. So I had to quit soccer and I was on my way to D1 and I was doing all the things. So I had to like quit cold Turkey and it was really hard on me. Mm -hmm. And as an athlete, you have to, you have to eat a certain way to be able to, to keep up with how many calories that you're burning. And so when I stopped, I, I was eating the same, like no one taught me any different. I was just trying to survive and I was going through this deep depression and I gained quite a, uh, quite a bit of weight. And, um, was your depression a byproduct of the brain injury? Yes. Right. I have, I have post-concussive syndrome. You said post-concussion syndrome, it's called? Post-concussive syndrome. Oh, yes. I see. And I, it was like a whole personality change. It was very, it was a very weird time. Um, I had to go to brain therapy and whatnot, but it was, I, I saw myself as nothing because I didn't have soccer. It was just like, a, it, was a, it was a breakup with my identity. And as I was gaining weight, I started looking at myself in the mirror and I, you know, I thought that my worth or I would become more worthy if I were smaller. Mm -hmm. So I, went to the gym and I started feeling these negative thoughts and it became overwhelming to the point where 
I started following a bunch of weight loss accounts on Instagram and that's when my orthorexic habit started to to happen by following the wrong people by by thinking or by by consuming media in the wrong way yeah. and mm-hmm. the rest <laughs> yeah you you get the rest <laughs> is it a bit of a mind fuck when you step on a scale and you're healthier but you weigh more so i am the proponent it for no scales mm-hmm. um i haven't weighed myself in oof, maybe two and a half years and it's one of the most liberating decisions i've ever made because i don't define myself from a number and i think you even said it it's like weight doesn't really matter when it comes to being healthy. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it really just doesn't. Like I know on an intellectual level that doesn't matter. But for me, for the scale almost defines my happiness. It's so weird. Shane Shane gets real, like he gets like down and like, you know, starts just being kind of miserable based on what he's seeing on the scale. And like, I don't like watching him be like that or get so affected by it. And I found actually weighing myself every day, helps my mental health and it's it's so interesting you say that because i find that so cool that you don't need that because i have to weigh myself every single day or i or i start unraveling so why is that is there something that um Hmm. that's pulling you towards the scale every day like what where is that i I, I guess what i noticed it's a good question i guess what i noticed is when i start getting around 185 I start getting more irritable or feeling more uncomfortable in my own skin. And uh, I don't know, even like itchier. Like my skin is literally feels like it's crawling. And I notice when I'm at 180, I feel like I look my best. I tend to gain weight in my face. And, you know, I'm a very vain person like a lot of people are. So if I, if my, if I feel like my jaw isn't tight... I feel like I don't look my best and that affects my confidence and like I I won't even hold my head up if I if I feel like I'm over 185 or if I know I'm over 185. I don't know why and it must be something Mm. from childhood or yes I have a fear of being trapped in my body post 60 years old. Yeah it's interesting so Mm -hmm. for example I learned a lot of my eating habits. My dad is a recovered alcoholic and he is one of the best people that I know now, but as he was recovering, a lot of what alcoholics do is they they take it out on sugar because mm. they're not getting that in, in alcohol. So I watched him go through this massive binge restrict cycle. And so, you know, I watched him do this and I thought that was a normal way of eating. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a normal way of living to go on these binge restrict cycles. So a lot of it does come from childhood and who are um, like what habits our authority figures have. And we take on a lot of those traits. And my parents always had a scale. It was just like the thing to have you always had in the bathroom. I can't remember. Like I would, I remember one time I questioned my, one of my friends because she didn't have a scale. And I was like, why don't you have a scale? Not that I wanted to weigh myself, but it's just such a normal thing to have. Like I remember when I got my first apartment with one of my roommates and I said, we have to get a scale. Why? Mm -hmm. Why do I have to get a scale? It's just so ingrained. It is ingrained because of, you know, I encourage you to, to look at commercials and and weight loss ads. They'll come up. Unfortunately, that's just what (laughs) the times that we live in. And a lot of them 
have measuring tape. Um, a lot of them have scales and there's even scales that go to unnecessary lengths, in my opinion, and that measure your water and mm-hmm. your, your body mass and all of this stuff. And it's like, at what point, like, what is this, what is this doing for me? Mm-hmm. How is this going to make me better? Is, is this really, if stepping on the scale means that I'm going to be chained to it for the rest of my life and, and seeing myself as a better person because I will weigh less. Why don't I use that energy into thinking, you know, I like this type of exercise. I like the way that I feel when I do Mm. this exercise or when I move my body in this certain way and I eat a certain way, like I feel my best. So why are we so attached to an inaccurate measure of health? Mm -hmm. Why are we so attached to that one number that we see? Because it's not, it's scientifically not accurate. What is your thoughts on calorie counting apps? I think it's absolute bullshit. Um, (laughs) I diets are complete bullshit. And the reason I'm saying this is because at the end of the day, when we are our best self, and I'm sure you guys can say the same when you are moving your body in the way that you want, when you are eating in a way that nourish yourself, that nourishes yourself and Mm -hmm. honors your feelings and you are being kind to your mental health, you have a good social life, you are in a good environment, you are around people who want you to be better instead of tearing you down, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel your best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, you know, having these diets and calorie tracking apps, that's just limiting yourself. You're spending so much time inputting your food and inputting your weight into something that you could spend bettering yourself in so many different avenues of life that could make you mm-hmm. so much happier. And I just can't, I will never, ever be able to get behind a diet unless it's, you know, a medical condition that you yeah. have. It's just a money scheme. Okay. It really is. How are you affected by, is this even a trigger, I guess, in other words, I'm trying to ask, if like well, me and my father-in-law, when I go over there, regardless of who's around, uh, we'll ask each other about how much we weigh or how we're doing with our, our diet. For you, is that very triggering to hear, like being an earshot, even if you're not being discussed, but to hear two men discussing their weight like it's important? Yeah. You know, having been through three eating disorders, I, I still do have a lot of triggers. I carry those with me. And I, through seeing a therapist and dietitian, um, who specializes in eating disorders, I've learned to set my boundaries and I've, I've learned to have those difficult conversations where I say like, Hey, no talk about weight here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not like, it's just not a thing that makes me feel good. And if you sit back and think about it and you, and you create that boundary with a loved one, if they're going to have any negative emotion around that, what does that say about them? Yeah. You know? Do they really want you to be better mm-hmm. um, or are they going to be butthurt themselves, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Mick, I was actually curious because uh, you brought up something that I haven't really thought about as having been an issue, but I realized it, it totally was. So I was a very competitive athlete myself. I was a basketball player and all my best friends were. 
And when you talked about, you know, stopping your athletics and kind of transitioning from person who needed a lot of calories to keep up with your athletic body and then continuing to eat the same and gaining a lot of weight, me and every single one of my athletic friends did that. And I Mm -hmm. don't know, like, I don't think any of us came out of that thinking normally thinking healthfully, thinking positively about ourselves, we all went through a phase where I think we were very depressed. And I'd be like, well, what am I doing wrong? I'm, I'm eating the same and I'm putting on all this weight. And then in university, I just killed myself at the gym. I calorie counted every day. And it was so depressing. And now having two girls who I hope get into sports themselves, because it's like my favorite thing ever, What do you wish somebody did when you were going through that? Or how do you wish somebody helped you when you were making that change from being a female athlete to, you know, a female who maybe had to had this huge change in their life? Because I don't want my daughters to go through what I went in that Mm -hmm. phase. Yeah. So there's two different things that I want to touch on. Number one, our education system is, is shit. When you are in class and you have, you have health, right? You learn about exercising and you learn about dieting. You you learn the food pyramid. Oh, my gosh. So I, that's, like, one of the most distinct memories in those, like, plate portions, right? Yes. Like, those are the, the, the things that we carry with ourselves our whole entire lives. And it's all based on a freaking lie mm-hmm. because ultimately, I oh, my gosh, I wish I could. I, I memorized this stat, but... Someone is paying, like, like it's all a money scheme, and I oh, wish I could. Yeah, I saw yeah. a documentary on that it's where like, it's like the dairy yeah. people the and the industry. sugar people. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So in in reality, it's it's a it's a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. Like our whole education needs to be reformed yeah. into realistic health, and it it can't be based around money because as humans, we're not freaking robots. Yeah, we can't. It's not input output. That's just not a thing. Mm-hmm. We have emotions. We have all of these human things that we have to deal with every day. And the last thing that we need to worry about is how many calories that we're <laughs> putting in our yeah. bodies. Yeah. Like, really. That being said, do you still find that you're like, even though you have all this knowledge and you know all these things, do you find on an emotional level your emotions are dictated by how you look in the mirror? Um, no. And wow. I, and, and that has taken years mm-hmm. of internal work. I go to therapy two times a week. <laughs> um, I check in with my dietitian to this day. I know that at the end of the day, like my body is my best friend, mm-hmm. my ride or die. It loves me so much that even if I did treat it like shit, it would be surviving yeah. for me. Like that unconditional love is always there. And so, yes, I I trust my body wholeheartedly. Now, I'm not saying that I have, like, I'm always having a good day. No, like, sometimes it sucks looking in the mirror because of it's probably something else that's going on in my life. Like, is my social life lacking? Is Did I go to therapy this week? There's so many factors that go into body image. Mm -hmm. And to answer your question on, you know, how athletes go in this mindset when they quit doing sports, it's our authority figures, our teachers, and and our parents need to have this education in mind when talking about how to live our best lives. Like, mm-hmm. w- we're in an age where 
you download social media and you see Instagram models photoshopping and you see people with, you know, genetically thin bodies that, you know, it doesn't matter what they eat. That's mm-hmm. just them. And and when you're a young woman and an adolescent girl, like you, we look at media and only 5% of our population, 5% of our population has the body type that we see in media. Mm-hmm. Only 5%. And I wonder out of that 5%, if they're even happy, the, the people who do have yeah. that body, because maybe clinging onto that body is mm-hmm. more stress than even trying to attain that body. Exactly. There, there's just so much more into it. So it all comes down to education. And as like, I don't, I don't have children, but I made a vow to myself when I do get in that situation to <laughs> constantly just tell my my future children that they are more than their bodies yeah. and to to push them to do activities that they truly love and not force them to do anything that they don't love mm-hmm. because that's what it boils down to like w- yeah. what makes you feel good you know yeah well we've talked about that too and um like in a in a talk with Aaron Chalor of Rob Beauty Talks uh we came to the conclusion not to use words like pretty and things to our daughters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think just aside from that, you know, not talking about body and then leading from example, just how to be healthy. Like Shane and I like to be active. So if we can just be active as a family, do fun things as a family, but then leave body image out of that as a topic of conversation or as, you know, something we're complaining about in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. That's something I need to stop doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, my parents definitely talked about it all the time and I know yours do too and it's it's something with that generation it was like such well me and your dad talk about it every every time I'm there yeah that's what I mean and it's such Mm -hmm. a you know it's not taboo at all everybody's like talking about it like my grandmother used to come over and pinch me on the stomach and say oh you gain a little bit I think if I was looking a little Mm -hmm. heavier and Everybody thinks it's so innocuous, but it's not, and it really can fuck you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What accent was that, by the way? That was my Polish accent. Oh, okay. I thought maybe she was an Asian <laughs> grandmother or something. Okay. But, uh, Nick, That's if funny. there's one thing that you can leave our listeners with to help them, you know, get over the scale, get over themselves, and start being kind to themselves, what would that be? The best advice that I can give anybody is to unfollow anybody that makes you feel like you have to be something or makes you feel like a lesser version of yourself or makes you feel like shit. Hell yeah. And follow people who and who are just inspiring. Follow div- diverse people. Follow people of color. Follow um, fat positive accounts. Follow body positive accounts. Follow mm-hmm. mental health accounts. Follow therapists. Do that because that's what's going to be in your face all the time, you know? Yep, absolutely. And follow Mick Zazon. How do you, would you like people to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can follow me at um, Mick Zazon on oh, Twitter. Oh, Zazon. Um, Shit, you, I'm sorry. Yes, Zazon. <laughs> um, don't worry about it. People get it wrong like 99.999%. I was so confident and proud because I always get names wrong, but I'm like, this one is easy. <laughs> Um, or you can go to mixdayson.com. So pretty easy. Just I mean, wait, what about your TikTok? You have hilarious TikTok videos. Oh, yes. Yes. That one is M-I-K-K Zazon because someone was an asshole and took my username and it's not no. even active. <laughs> That's brutal. Oh, they're probably holding it for ransom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Seriously. 
But Mick, thank you so, so much for your time. So it was a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, you guys too. Thank you so much. All yeah, right. take care. Bye-bye. Now, this is the part of the show where we would do the listener questions. But, of course, Alex's mic stopped working for some reason. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. And Alex is about to give birth in about 12 hours. So we don't have time to re-record <laughs> that right now. Next time, double the mailbag, double the fun. For now, we're just going to say thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 45.